Welcome to the first episode of the First Things in the Morning podcast, where I tell you fun stories and facts while you wake up and have your morning tea. After the short episode, you can start your day knowing that you've already learned something. Perhaps not something useful, but something nonetheless. Today, I'd like to talk a bit about Antarctica. I've been interested in that weird place for a while, because it's just filled with mystery. The first thing that got me interested in the White Continent was Lake Vostok. You might think that the Antarctic is just one big block of ice, but it's actually ice on top of a landmass. And between those two layers, sometimes lakes and even rivers form. The freezing point of water goes up when it's pressurized, which happens when a couple of thousand of meters of ice pushes down on a lake. And then there are thermal vents that let out the heat from the center of the earth. Lake Vostok is a product of these two circumstances. It's filled with liquid water underneath 4,000 meters of ice. And it has been covered by this sheet of ice for about 15 to 25 million years. Just to give you some perspective on that. Humans have been around for about 200,000 years. And this lake is big. It's huge. About 12,500 square kilometers. That means it's about as big as Wales in Great Britain, and a little bigger than Lake Ontario. Because it has been covered for millions of years without any contact with our atmosphere, it is basically its own ecosystem. Granted, the water in the lake is probably not the same water that was there 25 million years ago, because of the constant balance between water seeping away into the earth and water melting from the underside of the ice sheet. But the water is still old enough to be older than human civilization. The reason I initially loved this lake so much is because it was one big snow globe of possibilities. As of yet, there haven't been any good scientific research projects that have taken samples from the water. An attempt was made, but the samples were ruined by the careless use of chemicals that were used to keep the borehole from freezing around the equipment. So when 17-year-old me found out about this lake, it was very fascinating, because anything could be in it, for all we know. Dinosaurs survived, and they only survived in this one big whale-sized lake. I mean, it's unlikely, sure, but we don't know. But what I do know is that the ice caps are melting, and whatever is in that lake, we are probably gonna see it pretty soon. I'd rather get killed by an ice dragon than by ancient bacteria that we have no resistance to. Lake Vostok was just me speculating about life and weird lakes. But when I started reading up on other places in Antarctica, it turns out that my speculation isn't the only thing we have anymore. Because although they never did extensive research on Lake Vostok, they did do research on Lake Willens. This lake is a lot smaller, and only about 10 meters deep. It's covered in nearly a kilometer of ice, and in January 2015, a group of US scientists drilled through the ice and got some samples of both the water and the sediment. The sediment revealed fossils of microorganisms that had once lived above the soil. But it also showed fossilized pollen from beech trees and conifers. The pollen are estimated to be about 34 million years old. Because back in those good old days, Antarctica was a lush forested area. Which is very strange to imagine. What they also found was living microbials, though. Somehow these creatures survived in this hostile environment the low temperatures and the high pressure and a complete absence of light. 
The scientists sent down a small robot that they called Deep Skinny. They sent her down through the borehole and into the lake. And the robot had multiple cameras, a light and even a grabber arm. The scientists themselves had gathered around in the small control room, looking at the monitors um, that was showing the images that Deep Skinny had sent back. They mostly wanted to see what the water and the sediment looked like, if there was anything remarkable about the way that the lake had formed. They knew about microbials at this point, but no one expected much else, life-wise. But to everyone's surprise, it didn't take long before an actual fish swam by the camera. Yes, a normal fish, just living in this lake. Within that first day, the camera spotted up to 30 fish, three different kinds. The biggest fish was about as big as a butter spoon and completely translucent, to the point that you could see its internal organs. Translucence and extreme paleness happens a lot in creatures that never get any light. Think of the zombie things in I Am Legend. But there were two other kinds as well, a blackfish and an orange fish. They were a lot smaller. Other than that, there were shrimp-like crustaceans, along with some different kinds of marine invertebrates. These are animals without backbones, or any bones at all. Think of jellyfish and sea stars. These creatures survived of the previous generations, with the fish dying, being eaten by the crustaceans and the invertebrates, and then the alive fish snacking on the crustaceans. It's the same circle of life that we see in all ecosystems, as well as in some Disney movies, but the fact that the population is so small within this one lake gives it a bit of an eerie feeling. I know they probably aren't aware of it, but it's weird to be living off of your grandparents' remains in such a directly visible way, isn't it? Alright, let me close on one last weird body of water. And this one is really worth looking up. I'll try to include pictures in the show notes, but I'm really just saying that because I hear other podcasters say that. I hope I can figure out how they work. But in case I fail, or your personal choice of podcast dispensary doesn't do in show notes, I highly encourage you to give Blood Falls a Google. It's a waterfall in Antarctica, discovered in 1911 by geologist Griffith Taylor. What's so special about it is that the water of the waterfall runs red as blood. It really looks quite creepy, the red water staining the pure white ice as it flows into the bay. The first running theory of the origin of the color was algae. Surely some kind of red algae was making the water red. But it turns out that it's actually the high concentration of iron within the water. Just like the lakes we talked about, the water from the waterfall comes from a subglacial water basin. This basin has been, unsurprisingly at this point, covered with ice for millions of years. And the water takes about 1.5 million years to complete the full cycle of being normal surface level water to being the water that comes out of Blood Falls. In that time, the water doesn't have any contact with um, oxygen and it becomes very rich in iron and salt from the surrounding ground. The moment the water comes into contact with air again, the iron oxidizes and turns bright red. So, after years of research, scientists found out that the waterfall is basically just rusty, which is a bit of a boring answer to the mystery of Blood Falls. But luckily, the color wasn't the only thing interesting about the waterfall and the water basin it is connected to. You see, when I say that the water is very salty, I mean, it is very salty. About three times as salty as the ocean, 
plus no oxygen at all and a lot of iron. That doesn't sound like a very livable place to me. But apparently it sounds great to microbes. Scientists have found these living organisms in water samples from the fall. And the way in which these microbes are living actually mimics that of early life on Earth, before the atmosphere had a lot of oxygen in it. These creatures are likely to create energy from sulfate, in the same way we need oxygen to survive. So, the next logical thing to consider after these findings was what this means for extraterrestrial life. If something can survive on Earth, but without any oxygen, and surrounded by that much salt and iron, who is to say that other planets can't have life just because there isn't a lot of oxygen to go around? We, as humans, have been surprised every step of the way about life we found in these lakes. Because we couldn't fathom anything surviving in these dire circumstances. And that on our own planet. So, what does that say about our conclusions about the absence of life on other planets? That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed. Feel free to send any topic suggestions for future episodes or anything you just want to share to firstthingspodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter at inthemorningpod. As an avid podcast listener, I'm sure you know the drill. But if you like the show, please consider rating it on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Thank you so much and see you next time on the First Things in the Morning podcast. Have a good day.